your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 18. We're going to take a look at 9 through 14. So uh, many of the devotions that I share with you are inspired by uh, Bible study, one of the Bible studies that I'm in, and, and this one is is like that. Our My Saturday morning uh, small group discussion was on Luke 18, 9 through 14, and it just kind of knocked the socks off me, and I hope I hope you'll find it challenging and helpful as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we know that uh, at the end of life that we see you face to face and all glory will belong to you. We would live that way now. We humble ourselves before you, thanking you that you love us because of your goodness and because of your grace. Draw our hearts closer to you, to yours through Christ, I pray. Amen. Um, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus teaches about prayer. And the challenge for us is, as I read this anyway, was, so Brett, how do you pray? When you pray, do you pray to yourself or do you pray to God? Because I think that we may often pray to ourselves more than we realize when, we're think, when we think we're praying to God. Verse 9. Jesus told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. Some translations say to himself. By the way, this story immediately would have kind of thrown people for a loop. Because everybody in those days, when, when Jesus would tell this story, everybody knew who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Just like today, we tend to know, you know, at least it used to be in our movies and television shows, we would, we would know who the good guy is, who the bad guy is. You know, in the old westerns, you had your, your white hats, those were the good guys. You had your black hats, those were the bad guys. You know, the bad, the, the bad marked guy. Um, you know, if you're a sports fan, you know, if you're a baseball fan, unless you're a Yankees fan... In any game against the Yankees, we know who's the good guy. Anyone who's playing against the Yankees, who's the bad guy? The Yankees. Kind of, you know, we we kind of tend to know when you, you sort of generalize people politically, depending on what side of the spectrum you are on. You know, if you're liberal, you know the good guys, you know the bad guys, kind of thing. And it's just kind of immediate there without even thinking twice. So when people hear Jesus tell the story, there's a tax collector and there's a Pharisee. Immediately they know who the bad guy is. Is the tax collector. The guy is the Pharisee. He knows the Bible. He's the religious guy. He's respected as being the guy who knows who's close to God because he knows the Bible so well. The assumption is the tax collector, bad guys. Not only because they're tax collectors, because tax collectors would be dishonest. Part of the reason they made they became so wealthy is because they would cheat people out. They would just kind of arbitrarily ask people for uh, for their taxes, and and they would take more than they were supposed to for themselves. They would make themselves rich, but also because this guy's a Jewish tax collector. He's in the temple. You know, the Romans were the dirty dogs. They were the Gentiles. They're the enemies of God. And so a tax, a Jewish tax collector is not just despised because of being a cheat. He's despised because he's playing for the, for the bad team. You know, he's chosen to make a profit for himself by playing for the team that's playing against God's team. So they hear Jesus tell the story, and immediately they know the good guy and the bad guy. Good guy, Pharisee. Bad guy, tax collector. Jesus continues the story. The Pharisee was standing and praying 
like this about or to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But Jesus said the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest. By the way, the picture there is he didn't just do it once or twice. I mean, he just kept, he was so, felt so horrible about himself. He just kept beating his chest. He felt he was really convicted by God. Kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I think he kept striking his chest because he'd known all the bad things that he had done. And how many different times he had repeatedly done the bad thing. I tell you, Jesus said, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, because he who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, do a little comparison and contrast here between the Pharisee and the tax collector. See, the real question, the real thing that caught my attention as we were talking about this the other day in our Bible study was the tax collector is praying about himself, to himself. What's the difference between praying to God and praying to yourself? And how do you know that when you pray, you're not actually just praying about yourself to yourself, but you're actually praying to God himself. Well, we see the tax collector prays to himself. Why? Because fo his focus is on himself. God, I thank you that I'm such a wonderful person. And then he compares himself with others. I thank you that I'm not like those wicked people, you know, those adulterers, those unrighteous people, those people who drive slow in the fast lane and pick their nose in traffic. Um, he sees himself as righteous. Now, the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. That Even our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. But not this tax collector, or not this uh, Pharisee. This Pharisee sees himself as righteous. I am so righteous, focused on himself. He recognizes that he is religiously educated. He knows the law while others don't. He recognizes that he's legalistically righteous. He tithes. He fasts twice a week. Super religious people back in Jesus' day would fast twice a week. They would fast, I believe it was, on uh, on the second day of the week and on the fifth day of the week. Second day of the week because the fifth day of the week because that's when Moses went up to get the mountain, the law on the mountain. Second day of the week because I guess that's the day of the week that Moses came down with the law off the mountain. So if you're super religious, you fast on those days. He trusted, he trusted in himself, He's, his righteousness is in himself, and he looked down on others. C.S. Lewis had a great line. He says, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So he is praying to himself because all he can do, all he's doing is looking at himself and looking down on others. That keeps him from looking up, really looking up to God, even though he's in the temple, even though he's acting like he's addressing his prayers toward God. Contrast him with the tax collector. Verse 13, the tax collector standing far off. He's humble. 
where the tax collector is so proud and full of himself, he stands afar off. He won't even raise his eyes to heaven. He, he feels so unworthy of God listening to him, so, so dirty because of sin. He doesn't feel entitled to look up to heaven. While the Pharisee, you see, focuses on others and thinks he compares really well and sees himself as righteous, the tax collector focuses on God and sees how sinful he really is. And so he cries out, he beats his chest and he cries out, God, have mercy on me. Again, the tax collector, the, I'm sorry, the Pharisee sees himself as righteous. The tax collector sees his sin. The Pharisee knows the law. And because he thinks he keeps the law legalistically, sees himself as good. The tax collector sees God and sees his need for mercy. The Pharisee feels legalistically superior. The tax collector sees God as superior, worships God, and therefore humbles himself. Jesus' application is clear in verse 14. I tell you, one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everybody who humbles himself, <laughs> humbles him, who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Isn't that clever what Jesus does there? The beginning of the story, everybody assumes who the good guy and the bad guy is. By the end of the story, Jesus doesn't even have to say who the good guy or bad guy is. He just describes their characteristics. Because God is not a respecter of people and positions and titles. He's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of humility. Both go home, but one goes home justified in the eyes of God, righteous. And anybody who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I love what, um, what one commentator noted about this tax collector's prayer. He prayed, oh God, be satisfied with the atoning sacrifice and forgive me. He didn't pray, God, be merciful to me because I'm not a Pharisee. Be merciful to me because I'm a repentant sinner. Be merciful to me because I'm a praying sinner. Be merciful to me because I'm only human. Be merciful to me because I'll do better next time. He just prays, God, be merciful to me because I am a sinner in need of mercy. Um, again, C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and less. And I think that's one of the difference between in answering the question, am I praying to myself or am I praying to God? The question is, who are you thinking of most as you pray? Are you thinking of God or are you thinking of self? That's the question I really want for us to wrestle with that I've been wrestling with ever since going through this devotional with my Bible study. Do I pray like the tax collector or do I pray like the Pharisee? See, it's easy for me to pray like the Pharisee. I think the longer that we're Christians, the easier it is to pray like a Pharisee. And what we're focused on is, what am I saying? What we're focused on is, what do I want? If we're praying in public, it's, what do people think about 
me as I'm praying. It's easy to make my prayers all about myself and not about God. It's very possible for me to be addressing my words to God, but really I'm just praying to myself because in my heart of hearts, I'm not focused on God. I'm focused on me and my needs and my wants and my hurts and my agenda and how I feel good about myself even because I'm praying, perhaps. So when you pray this week, ask yourself, am I focusing on myself or am I focusing on God? Am I really praying to God or am I just kind of using God as I pray about myself? Is your passion your agenda or is it God's will? Is your attitude your needs or is your attitude God's greatness and seeking him? And my needs are just part of that. But the focus is really his greatness. Is my attitude, again, thy will be done? Or is it my will be done? Try this question as a follow-up. Are you praying to yourself or to God? When you don't get what you want, what is your reaction? When you pray and God doesn't answer the prayers the, the way that you would desire him to answer, are you still at peace? Are you still content? Or do you get angry with God? I hear stories more and more of people who are deconstructing their faith. They're turning away from from Christianity. And the reason that they'll give is that they prayed and God didn't answer their prayer. What they really mean is they prayed and God didn't answer the prayer they, that, the way that they were demanding the prayer be answered. God didn't change them. God didn't take away their temptation. God didn't heal some um, one of their loved ones. They got disappointed with God because they what they were really praying was my will be done not thy will be done. They were really praying to themselves and they were disappointed when God did not answer their prayer about themselves. So what did your prayer, what do our prayers reveal about us? Do they reveal that we see God on his throne or they reveal that we're using God for what we want? Are you praying to God or are you praying to yourself? Now this is what makes the challenge even harder for me. I've been accused of overthinking things. Welcome to the overthinking mind of Brett. What makes this even harder is that God invites us to share our agenda with him. Jesus tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask, it'll be given to you. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on God, because he cares for you. In Luke 18, this very chapter begins with Jesus sharing a parable about a persistent widow. He's, try, uh, he's trying to teach people to be persistent in prayer. And so he uses this story of a, a widow who's come to a judge who won't listen to her. He's an unjust judge. And although he won't listen to her because he's just, he, he will listen to her because he's persistent. So Jesus, even in this passage, is encouraging them, be persistent. You keep praying. You keep asking. You keep asking. And then he follows it up with this story about, oh, but be really careful that when you ask, you're really still focused on God and not on self. That is such a heart thing. That's something that I think that we all have to wrestle with as we pray every day. Remember Jesus in the garden. Does he want to go to the cross? Doesn't want to face the pain of the cross, but was he pray at the end of the day? 
not my will, but yours be done. He poured himself out to the Father. But at the end of the day, the prayer was about God and his greatness and his will, not about, not about the Son. So ask yourself as you pray today and this week, are you more focused on God or are you more focused on yourself? More seeking his agenda or your own? Are you focused on his greatness? And even as you share your requests, the focus is on his greatness, his provision, his supply. Or is your focus primarily on your need, your demand? And then are you at peace with his answers? Or are you only going to be at peace with yours? And is the result of your prayer humility or pride? Do you walk away from that prayer more in love with God, more in awe of God's greatness, more ready to surrender to his will? Or do you ever leave the prayer more impressed that you prayed? More thankful that you've shared that, that stuff. More, more grateful you've gotten that stuff off your, off your back, and uh, and more, um, uh, more determined, you know, that you're going to get what you want out of God. I think powerful prayer that changes our lives is that prayer, like the tax collector, that focuses on God is given humility, offered in humility, and walks away more ready to walk with God in humility. Heavenly Father, when we pray to you, help us to pray uh, as Jesus prayed, as this tax collector prayed in humility. May it be about you, um, Lord, because we know that everything is from you and for you, and this life is so short. And in eternity, it's going to be all about you. And so it's all about you now. Help us to live in that reality. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you that you hear our voice, our prayers, even though they are never perfect, even though our hearts are always mixed with motivations. By your grace, Lord, hear our prayers. By your grace, help us to walk with you today. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Keep praying.